1: Hello, yeah, it's the Nick D. Podcast. How you doing? I'm Nick DiGiulio. I am your host. Welcome to episode 105 of the Nick D. Podcast right here on the great Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Tons of amazing, informative, entertaining, very, very cool podcasts available here at RadioMisfits.com. Please check them all out. Subscribe, listen, tell your friends, and please rate and review us on every platform. Please take the time. Rate, review us, start a conversation at RadioMisfits.com. And also be a sponsor of the Nick T podcast. If you got something you want to advertise, we'd love to help you do that. We reach a lot of people. Sales at RadioMisfits.com to be a sponsor. Want to be a part of the podcast itself? Leave a voicemail message. We have our voicemail lines open 24-7, anytime, anywhere, any place, anytime you want to leave a message, a question, a comment, an observation, a request for the Magic Megaphone. You can do that, uh, 773-417-6948. Leave those messages now. Drop us an email anytime with questions and comments, everything. Megaphone message 24-7. We want to hear from you, Podcast at com. My thanks to Jason Skaggs for all the cool stuff and the, and the crazy uh, themes and the music and all the really cool stuff. And uh, coming up on this episode of the podcast, my dad's going to tell a joke, as he does every Tuesday on the podcast. Uh, We love hearing my dad's jokes. He's going to stop by and tell a joke, uh, and uh, he's going to have to push her out of the way. I'm
0: Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show.
1: I know you do, baby. So my dad's going to tell a joke, Esmeralda Leon is going to join me. We've got a megaphone message, as we always do, and again, if you have any weird, specific message that you want me to speak into the megaphone, it goes out into the ether. If you want to tell a story, do a joke. Plug something, give a message. Megaphone message is wide open. Send me your messages at nickdpodcast at gmail.com. We got one for today. Got some uh, voicemails and some emails we're going to catch up on. We've got celebrity gossip and meltdowns and some celebrity drama that we're going to joke about. We got more Japanese candy to taste test. And uh, we will talk more about our upcoming uh, gig at Zanies. And we hope that you can make it. It's on uh, Tuesday, January 17th. That would actually be a week from today. One week from today. Get your butts out to Rosemont and Zany's and let's pack the place. The last time we did it in November, the crowd had a great time. It's interactive. It's fun. You're a part of it. You will be a part of a recording of a live podcast, which will become an episode that will go out uh, the next day. We've got really cool prizes to give away, some dinners and some... Uh, Apt Electronics uh, uh, gift cards and some, uh, we got Swag Nick D Podcast t-shirts thanks to MyBasement.biz, the Basement Custom Shirts. I want to thank Ron and Jackie for providing the t-shirts that we'll be giving away. They're at 4723 South Ashland Avenue in Chicago. 773-247-5559 or mybasement.biz. Thank you for the t-shirts we'll be giving away. We've got Nick D podcast coffee mugs and much, much more. The great Dwayne Kennedy, Emmy award-winning stand-up comedian legend is going to be live on stage. We'll talk to him and my dad, my aforementioned dad, who'll be telling a joke on the podcast today, will be live on stage telling jokes to close the show. It's going to be a blast, and here's the deal. You can go to rosemont.zanies.com right now and get your tickets if you want You can get $5 tickets. That is a huge, massive discount on the door uh, price. If you use the code FUNNY, F-U-N-N-Y, all caps, all caps, FUNNY, F-U-N-N-Y, all caps, use that code, FUNNY, uh, and uh, you will get $5 tickets. That's a massive discount Uh, We want to pack the place. We know a lot of people don't have the kind of budgetary uh, things that they want. They want to save a little money. Or if you want to buy a whole bunch of tickets, it's easier to do it that way. So $5 tickets are now available using promo code FUNNY, all caps, F-U-N-N-Y, Rosemont.zanies.com. Use that promo code, get your $5 tickets. We'll pack the place and have a great time. Or you can call the box office at 847-813-0484. Zanies and Rosemont. Next Tuesday, January 17th. Doors open at 6:30. Show starts at 7:30. Again, you want to use the promo code FUNNY, all caps, F-U-N-N-Y. You will get $5 tickets. It's a massive discount for my subscribers and my listeners. So, um, I hope that you take advantage of that. We packed the place. We're going to have a great time. So uh, get those uh, discount tickets today. Coming up next, right after I say congratulations, it's the one, the only, Dan Feinberg. We talk to him every other week about television. Always a lot of great TV to talk about. We're into a new year, and we'll talk about all the stuff that's coming up. And you can check out fineprint.com. He writes for The Hollywood Reporter. And it is time to talk TV. And we'll do that right after I say congratulations. Right after I say congratulations. There you go. It's
2: supposed to work when I
1: press buttons. <laughs>
2: You're about to listen to the Nick D podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today. It makes the other podcasts seem like crap. Oh, yeah. Don't be a jaggle. Feinberg, Dan Feinberg. And now, all the way from somewhere else, Dan Feinberg.
1: It is time to talk television with Dan Feinberg. Um, You can check him out at The Fine Print, print thefineprint.com, and uh, he writes for The Hollywood Reporter, And has been uh, talking TV with me for many years, and it is uh, officially our first uh, show together, first podcast episode together for 2023. Uh, Happy New Year, Dan.
2: Yes, Happy New Year to you as well, Nick.
1: Um, And you are now keeping busy. It's the beginning of the year, and uh, you were telling me uh, before we started recording here that you've been spending a little time and you will be spending the next 10 days or so in Pasadena. Why are you in, doing
2: that? It, oh, it's a good, that, that, that's actually a very good question. I have no legitimate answer. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> or coincidentally, the answer is that it is uh, the triumphant return of the in-person television critics association press tour um, for, for the uninformed. Uh, the television critics association press tour is the biannual and in the two times per year rather than the every two years version of the word. Gotcha. Uh, um, And it is the biannual time at which the networks and streamers and all of the other various production entities of television bring their programming for the next six months to a room packed with television critics, uh, or at least that's the way it used to be. Uh, But then, For a little while, let's say about two and a half years, that was not an appropriate thing to do. Um, And so the last time we had an in-person press tour was January of 2020. We came very close in the summer to having... An in-person summer press tour, but it got pulled at the last second or like two weeks before because of rising COVID numbers and concerns and whatnot. Uh, mm. But we are taking all sorts of various precautions. Everybody is masked up. Everybody is vaccinated. All of that fun fun stuff and uh yeah so today was the the first or rather sorry yesterday that would be uh, Monday Monday was the first day yes
1: today isn't Monday it's not Monday evening today is absolutely
2: Tuesday um (laughs) and so yesterday was the first day um and it was Paramount Plus so uh So Joshua Jackson and Lizzie Kaplan were there to talk about their upcoming Paramount Plus extension that no one really wanted of uh, of Fatal Attraction. Uh there were people there to talk about a prequel that no one really wants of Greece, uh, and other various Paramount Plusy things, though interestingly, no panel featuring Taylor Sheridan, despite the fact that Taylor Sheridan has 17 shows on Paramount Plus at the <laughs> moment. So it's
1: <laughs> at roughly 17 shows
2: on give or take. I mean, it, he's got like four or five more in development as well, in addition to his current three or four. So the right. dude, the dude's got a lot, but no no panel with Taylor Sheridan, unfortunately. Uh, but yeah, it was, you know, just a good to be back in the rhythms uh, surrounded by various people who cover television and uh, we will see if this becomes a super spreader event or not
1: well no a panel I guess because they're shooting and I follow Katja Herbers um, on all her social medias and she's been doing a lot of (laughs) posts from the set Uh, but no 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 panel on evil
2: No, no panel for evil, um, no, you know, sometimes in cases like that, they can throw something together via satellite and, you know, since they're presumably shooting in New York. So yeah, yeah, they they were unable to, but it's just, it is such a complicated thing with the COVID restrictions to do press things like this, because you can't just shut them down for one day, you have to shut them down for a couple days around it. And so, and so, yeah, and this is... This is as much as anything just trying to get back into a rhythm of doing this in person. And fortunately, most of the big players are back. Uh, FX is doing a a full day start to finish with a bunch of of new and returning stuff. Um, Apple TV Plus, I think, is doing... A full day with like 12 panels for upcoming things. So so that's gonna be busy. There are a couple days of things for Hulu and various Disney entities. Uh PBS, of course, will be in town with various PBS-y things. So a lot of a lot of the big usual suspects will be making their returns. And and I think the hope is just that everything moves smoothly. It doesn't become some sort of cesspool of of disease and germs, which it always did anyway, because you've got you know, 200 TV critics in a room from all over the country in yeah. the middle of winter, breathing germs on each other. So it, it's it's inevitable. Yeah. Uh, but one one day in the there is no disgusting, horrifying coughing coming from the ballroom, and so who knows? Yeah. Knock on wood.
1: What are you are you uh, doing any of the panel are you uh, moderating anything or doing
2: any of the It's panels? it's not a moderating thing because it's all uh, it's all just questions from from the room yeah presentations okay. presentations and Q&As led by the reporters whenever the network's gotcha. try moderating in any way we revolt so that is gotcha. that is the plan and for the most part for the most part, I use it as a sort of awareness mechanism, kind of getting things on my radar and mm-hmm. finding out what showrunners are very good at selling their shows for possible appearances on my weekly TV top, TV's top five podcast, et cetera. So, gotcha. so yeah.
1: Is there a new episode that uh, people can check out of the? podcast? There is
2: not. We are actually we are actually a little bit fallow at this moment. We took two consecutive weeks off. Uh, normally, the podcast comes out every Friday. It's right. uh, myself and Leslie Goldberg talking about talking about TV. But we took the last two weeks of December off for end of the year stuff, and then uh, and then Leslie got COVID this week, and so uh, she she was not sounding good enough to want to be recording podcasts. when I had when I had COVID back in the end of November. I was really basically fine, uh, yeah. and and she. I mean, we recorded, we recorded exactly. when you had it, yeah. As as did Leslie, as did me and Leslie. So yeah. uh, there, basically, COVID comes in many different shapes and sizes. I had the one that was perfectly acceptable to record podcasts in. She mm-hmm. unfortunately does not. But our hope is that this week we will find some way to record something so that it's not four straight weeks dark. Because as you know, the podcasting beast has a gaping maw that needs to be filled constantly. That's right.
1: Speaking of which, I am filling another uh, gaping maw when my SNL podcast drops tomorrow. Um, Ah. Yes, I have a new podcast that's dedicated entirely to SNL. And it's called That Show Hasn't Been Funny in Years. And and, uh, I would love you to be a guest uh, just to talk
2: SNL. Absolutely, at some point. I mean, give, uh, given that I feel like we do talk about it basically every we other week. Well, I mean, is. The,
1: the thing is, though, when I when I have like guests on every once in a while, because uh, I'm going to have guests and sometimes I won't, sometimes I will. It's you know, it's a once a week podcast. And uh, when we when we talk, I just want to get your thoughts on when you first started watching it, what your favorite casts were, your favorite episodes sketches, that kind of stuff. Oh, so sure, I'm going to interview my favorite people and my you know, people in the media about their personal experiences when they first started watching it and how they feel about SNL and all that stuff.
2: So I am, I am more than happy to do that and I, I look forward to the opportunity.
1: Great. Well, my first, the first episode, which drops tomorrow, uh, Dan, is an entire episode dedicated to the potato chip sketch. That's the first episode. <laughs> the entire episode is dedicated to the potato chip sketch. No guest, just me talking about the potato chip sketch and playing back a little bit of interviews about it and clips from it and stuff like that but I'm I'm going to analyze for the entire episode the genius of the potato chip sketch so
2: that is that is an ambitious thing to do but on the other <laughs> hand it is absolutely a sketch that I know has has many dedicated fans and so I'm sure. I'm sure I, it'll break through with that fan group. Well,
1: well, that's. I wanted to. I wanted to make sure that people knew I was going to dive into the deep end. So I started
2: with an entire episode dedicated to that sketch. I definitely. Thought, you know, definitely. Uh, that way, you can alienate all the casual fans <laughs> as quickly as humanly
1: possible. I just wanted to make an announcement, Dan. You know what I mean? That's what I wanted to do. So anyway, but I'd love to have you on. We'll talk about that off the air. Get you on. Uh, on uh, that. That show hasn't been funny in years. We'll, uh, get
2: Sounds good.
1: Okay. Cool. Well, let's talk about some of the uh, some of the new stuff and some of the things that you have been um reviewing um uh i I feel very this is a scoop for my for my podcast here uh the new hbo uh and hbo max uh streaming show also on regular hbo is the last of us which is a show that well i don't know if you watch hbo at all you've only been seeing uh advertisements and commercials and and stuff for it for i don't know three months now (laughs) um but uh, i am very excited about it and uh i don't this is based on a video game, right?
2: It is indeed. It is based okay. on a game from Naughty Dog apparently as the production company. So, so Yeah, yes. I don't play.
1: I've never I don't I've never owned a gaming console in my life of uh outside of every once in a while playing some video games at the height of their popularity in the 80s because I am of that age. Um uh, the only home video unit I ever had when I was a kid was Pong. That was it. <laughs> Honest to God, never had any of the Nintendo, never had any of the Xbox, never any of that stuff ever, ever, ever. So the the video game world is something I'm completely foreign to, but I love shows that are zombie-ish, and so that's why I'm kind of curious about this.
2: Indeed, this is zombie-ish. Um, I'm pretty much with you. I, I have never personally had a video game console. My brother had a Game Boy uh, when we were younger, uh, and so, you know... We played on that. You played a little Tetris, did you? Oh, absolutely! I still, you know, I, I love yeah. me some Tetris. I've still been known to, while I've been walking, play a little Pokemon Go. Uh, sometimes, uh, okay. sometimes when I am really, really bored, I've been known to play Candy Crush. But they are not likely to make a prestige cable HBO <laughs> drama about Candy Crush.
1: They did an Emoji movie. I'll tell they, you that. So,
2: uh, uh, and I believe a sequel to an Emoji movie. Did. I feel like yes. there have been multiple. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so so, so indeed, uh, yes. As you, as you say, this will be my first time discussing the show out loud. My Excited. review is over. My review Thank is over at the Hollywood Reporter. Uh, yeah. But that is my written review, um, and uh, I, I really like the Last Bus. Us. That is, that is the sort of the the bottom line. It it does not jump in. T- so okay, let's let's go with the premise first yeah, yeah, for yeah. whichever people don't know what it is. The premise is basically it is a post apocalyptic america a a base it it's a vi- it's a mushroom born virus it's basically mushroom's spores fungi whatever however you want to put it uh take over people's brains and bodies and uh in some cases turn them into fungus spreading killing machines and in some cases just killing them Uh, So it takes place 20 years after the zombie outbreak and basically everything is decimated and uh, the infected still roam the streets. and, And some of them are just very, very familiar kind of brain dead, crazy looking zombie things. And then some are much more creative in that fungus kind of way where they have scary, florid mushroom type heads, not your basic... Uh, you know it's sliced up on a pizza kind of mushrooms, uh more like you 're out in the woods and you find something that 's very very colorful with ridges and tendrils and stuff that 's what it looks like. Um, mm. I would say shades of annihilation in terms of some of what the look Ooh. of it is uh, well you've sh- just, i've just i 've just perked up <laughs> shades of in terms of the visual style of some of it uh but yeah so and basically what you have here is you have a your quintessential relationship between a, a child and a paternal figure. The paternal figure is is reluctant and gruff and and you know, battle tested by a world that has been turned upside down for twenty years and the child is uh is basically the hope for all humanity. And uh the, the gruff adult is played by um Pedro Pascal, who plays a fairly similar character in The Mandalorian, uh mm-hmm. but but replacing Uh, Baby Yoda, in this case, is a teenage girl named Ellie who has been bit by the infected but did not turn herself. And so the question, as is always the case in such situations, is, is there a way that they can turn whatever keeps her immune into a cure to save humanity? Yes, maybe, but only if they can get her to some sort of scientific facility at the other side of the country. And so they travel across the country encountering humans, but as anyone who has watched The Walking Dead or read The Road or any number of other things hmm. knows, sometimes the mushroom virus is bad, but the humans are even worse.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, so it's very archetypal. It is It is very much and is particularly true in the first episode, which is kind of uh, virus outbreak and then post apocalyptic one oh one, and so the series was created by Craig Mazin, who, who, whose career until five years ago was he wrote a lot of those sort of tight scary movie knockoff type movies. He did superhero movie and a lot of oh, very no. very and a lot of very bad comedies. Oh. But then he did Chernobyl on HBO.
1: Oh, oh my God! Now I knew that it came from the people who did ch- God. Oh, I had no idea that the same people that wrote the same guy who wrote Chernobyl wrote those.
2: It is. It, the, <laughs> Chernobyl in particular was this gigantic career shifting project. Clearly, <laughs> uh, but you know he he still did make Chernobyl, so obviously it is correct. And then he he did it with uh, Neil Druckmann, who is the creator of the game series, and uh, Craig Mason directed. The first episode and it, it's it's decent. Like it's not it's not bad, but it's not it's not hugely scary. It's not hugely disturbing. It's really introducing this world, introducing the rules. Uh, the second episode is much better because it establishes the relationship between these two main characters, and I think that both uh, the guy played by uh, Pedro Pascal and the teenage girl who's played by Bella Ramsey, who people will know as uh, Plucky Liana Mormont from uh, Game of Thrones. Uh, she was one of the appealing parts of the later seasons of of Game of Thrones. Um, and th- and they are both really, really good and really, really good together. They have a completely likable and believable dynamic between the two of them. Uh, it's, you know, sort of, it's it's like so many gruff paternal figures and children dynamics that you've seen play out. This just happens to be a very likable, well-played, version of it. The mm. second episode is when you start getting into the the scary stuff with the with the mushroom people, with the infected, and the effects are are very, very good. Uh the, the makeup stuff is good and the sort of CG augmentation is is very, very good. Mm. And then the third episode is when you get a much clearer sense of kind of why this is such a popular game. And a lot of it has to do with the specific interactions in the human characters. And as they go around, go through the country, they pass through one makeshift civilization after another and and sort of encounter all of these different ways that humanity is continuing, mostly for the worse. The second episode has this beautiful central relationship between a pair of survivalists who have this lovely gay love story in the middle of this zombie story, and they're played by Nick Offerman and, and Murray Bartlett uh, from White Lotus. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's it's just such a good episode. And the performances from Murray Bartlett and, and Nick Offerman are so good. Uh, and then you and then as things go along, pop a lot of other actors who people will recognize pop up. Melanie Linsky is in a couple episodes. Everyone loves Melanie Linsky. Yep. She's very good. Uh Uh, Storm Reid, who's done a lot of work. She was in the Wrinkle in Time movie. Uh, She's got a fantastic episode. Uh, Graham Greene pops up for an episode uh, with Elaine Miles. And they're very funny for one episode. Ashley Johnson, who played uh, the teenage girl character in the video games, but who some people will know as Chrissy Seaver from Facts of Life. Uh, She pops up in an episode... A lot of these interludes are just really, really good. And as the show goes along, it goes along and it and it builds a certain scary momentum, but also, much more importantly, a certain human momentum. And I think that's what makes it stand out. You will not necessarily get the feeling after the first episode that you know why people are so excited about it. It is. Mm-hmm. It is not bad. But it is definitely by the numbers. The second episode is a step forward, and the third episode should be the one where you go, "Okay, I get it now." And okay, so that's kind of how it builds.
1: Okay, and that's The Last of Us. When does it? Uh, when? When will we see it on HBO?
2: It premieres next Sunday, and then of course it will be on HBO Max because that is how these things go. And so I, I don't know necessarily that I recommend kind of waiting and watching it in a small binge because people will talk about it, and there may be things that that you don't necessarily want spoiled it it Mm -hmm. is it is mostly fairly strictly uh by the game plot wise uh from what i've been led to believe i have a a friend and former colleague Shannon who I have used as my as my resource as I was watching screeners and anytime I had questions I yep. I texted Shannon and said what yep. does this mean or right. who is this right. person or right. why do I care and Shannon has had good answers for me and I've appreciated that so if you I I assure people that whoever they are, if they are not a game player, they probably have their own version of Shannon and they just need to make sure that they find that person who is a game obsessive. Because the people who like this game and it's two different parts, uh, they are huge fans. This is like one of the most uh, acclaimed games for people who do not know. And so, yeah, it may help to have someone who could explain little things. But really and truly, if you've seen a, it, it's, a, it's a... Basically what the show feels to me like is like Walking Dead if it had kind of achieved up hmm. the right version of itself. Okay. Kind of kind of walking dead at its best moments as opposed to walking dead at its so many less than best moments.
1: Yeah, I stopped walking dead halfway through season four. I stopped. Never went back. I went back. I actually we did go back once to see... The Episode where, uh, what's his name with a bat when he's smacking people in the head with the baseball bat? I mean, <laughs> that was I the know. governor. No, 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 not the governor. I, I uh, the when what's his name? Oh, oh, not the yes, go- yes, Negan,
2: yes, Negan, Negan yes, was the one Negan. with the baseball bat. Governor, yeah, so was everybody was talking horsey. about
1: this first episode of the new season where this Negan guy shows up and he's gonna smash people in the head with baseball bats, and some major people are gonna die. And I went back and I watched that episode after having not watched it since the governor storyline. Like, I stopped during the governor storyline. St- at that point, I was like, I'm done. Um, and then I went back and I
2: watched that one episode where, uh,
1: what's, his, what's the actor's name? Why am I blanking on the actor's name?
2: Uh, Steven Yen, where Glenn died. No, no, no. Uh, the, oh. You- B- Negan. Um, oh, uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Yes,
1: Jeffrey Dean Morgan. When I, when, I, when I, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, I watched Jeffrey Dean Morgan, the character come out, smash people in the head with baseball bats, never watched it ever again. <laughs> so, and i the first two seasons of that show i love the first two seasons of of the walking dead love it the first two two and a half seasons i was on board completely and then it started to fall off and by the fourth season i was done with it
2: i made it further than that i think i made it 7 or 8 seasons uh but but yes, I haven't watched for a while, and I, I may tune in for an episode or two around the finale. I don't necessarily know what the point is. Oh, it's not be, over yet? There's it's still no, no, no. Oh, it it's is, still it, is, it, is, it is coming to its end, but it's also coming to its end in a way that isn't really an end because it's basically just being spun off in several yeah. different ways. And so
1: I know that uh, Norman Reedus has a show, and uh, like his character's got one. I, I saw that there were going to be 12 spin. I thought the damn thing was over. They keep saying
2: it's over. Like, it's, it's... oh, this is
1: it. This is the end. They've been saying it for a year and a half now.
2: I believe that there was like the there was the last half of the penultimate season, then there was oh, the first half of the geez. final season, and then I think we have the final half of the final season coming. And uh, what about the, the
1: the other one, the Fear of the Walking Dead? Is that shit still on? Fear uh, the and... Walking
2: Dead does still go along, and okay. some people say that there have been periods where it's been good. Uh, unfortunately, right. those periods were not the first season and a half, and so I I did not have the potential to stick with it. Then there was. The other spin-off, the sort of YA type spin off, uh with the that basically focused around teenage kids that I think lasted well, it was only intended to last a season or two. It was intended to be a kind of intervening season. And then yeah, they they're just they've got a lot of stuff going. Yeah, and yeah, there would be no reason for you.
1: Yeah, I guess I st- I guess my I, and I maybe I'm being uh like cranky, but I guess for me it all kind of it all kind of went downhill after Darabont got fired. I think that's t- <laughs> I, I I mean t- I don't know if that's the timeline works out that way but for me I guess this, the, my the, I think the best stuff that ever happened out of that whole series was when Darabont was in charge.
2: That know. was basically the first season, then, and yeah. so that okay. that was all that there, there was. Darabont, and then there were other very good showrunners who kind of were guiding the show in seasons two and three. When I definitely thought that they had that, there were moments that worked. I thought yeah. there were arcs of the show that worked very well in that time, and then it just became less and less. Like I, I really kind of liked the governor storyline. I like or. I liked parts of the governor's storyline. I always liked David Morrissey. I thought he was, I thought he was good. I thought, yeah. So it
1: got, no, I got through, I got through the, I I had problems with it. Uh, but I got through that storyline. I got through the governor's storyline. And it was after that when I went, I can't do this anymore. Like every episode I'd watch, I'm like, I don't care about this at all. Are there going to be zombies in this? Are there, what happened to the zombies? It's like that. It's like that scene in, uh, in Jurassic park where, uh, Jeff Goldblum says, excuse me, are there going to be any dinosaurs in your dinosaur park That's what I, that's, it got to the point where I was watching Walking Dead. I'm like, look, am I, what is this? Is this? Dynasty, or is it? A, is, there, is there other zombies in this?
0: Yeah,
2: it's, yeah, but the problem is, I need to I need to warn you that Last of Us has whole episodes that go by without the without the mushroom people being involved at all. So, okay,
1: well, no, I'm not I'm not saying that I, I get okay. What I, I should clarify that because I just didn't give a shit about the characters, absolutely. And that is, um, and that was so finally the that's problem. That's a difference,
2: yeah. And and also, you know, Greg Nicotero's makeup work on that show was obviously remarkable, and that is, yeah. and that is, and that is a thing that has to be put out there up front. It was remarkable, it was excellent. It was, yep. you know, sort of genre, not genre defining because it had already been defined, but it, it sort of it, it set its own place. Yep. On the other hand, after eight or nine seasons, it was really hard for anything that any of the zombies did to be different from yeah. what the zombies yeah. had done before. And so a part of the tremendous relief of this is that the infected really do look Particularly in their more mushroomy moments, yeah. uh, they, they they look and feel different. And yeah, okay. So it's a right. a fresh him, but it still well, is much more of the, uh, the, the 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 human side is where the real drama is. Well, that's fine with me
1: because, like, I mean, for me, you know, uh, I the zombie subgenres. My my favorite genre of all time is horror, and my favorite subgenre of of that is zombie. And of course, I go back to to Romero and Romero's movies. If you look at at Romero's movies, I mean, there are sections of his films, especially Day of the Dead, where there are no zombies in sight and it's just people talking. And it's awesome because it's George Romero (laughs) because it's George Romero and the writing is so brilliant and there's something to say and it's satirical and awesome. So when you're able to do that, and I don't care that the zombies didn't vary. I I like shuffling zombies like as much as the next guy. Um, If it's good, (laughs) if it's good. And for me, it got to the point where The Walking Dead was not interesting anymore. Even the zombies weren't fun. So
2: I th- And I think that was a reasonable opinion. Maybe this will feel a little bit like a reboot. A lot comes down to if you like Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey, I really did. But okay, definitely cool. the, thir- the third episode is the one that, that um, should let you know if you're on board.
1: No, I'm, gonna, I'm definitely watching it. I'm really looking forward to it. I mean, any zombie stuff, I will watch it. I will always give it a chance because I love the zombies, and I always side with the zombies. I don't know why. I always side with them. That's a George Romero thing. By the, time, by the time George Romero made Land of the Dead, they were the protagonists, and I'm fine with that. So <laughs> I'm totally fine with that.
2: Uh, hey, speaking of HBO, when does the Watergate thing uh, come on? I think February or March. I think okay. that's I think that's when it is. And I'm you know I'm obviously curious about that. It uh it it is directed by David Mandel from uh from Veep. Uh, and this mm-hmm. is this is is it White House Plumbers? Is that, is yeah, that it's what? Yeah, it's called, called I think it's called White House. Yeah, it's yeah. called White House Plumbers. It's Woody Harrelson. I'm already in. Exactly. Woody Woody Harrelson. <laughs> Justin Justin Thoreau. It yeah. is a it is a great cast, and uh, it looks like it should be good. And I didn't feel as if Gaslit on Stars was so defining when it come when it came to the story that I mm-hmm. necessarily needed <laughs> that I needed the version that I needed to see no more Watergate stories I think I have an interest still so yeah. I can be yeah. curious about that but okay. I've seen I've seen only the trailers that they're okay showing. all right cool
1: uh, so we'll look forward to that uh, at some point um all right the last time um that you were on with us you were like I'm, I'm about to post a review and uh, uh and I'm working on writing the review f- after watching Paul T. Goldman which is a a, a very strange uh, Peacock series that is, I guess, from Seth Rogen's production company. And you kind of described it a little bit now that your review is out and people can see it at The Hollywood Reporter and the show has been, uh, has been dropped on Peacock. I have not seen it. Um, tell us about this very strange, from what I understand, very strange show.
2: It is very strange. And a lot of the strangeness comes down to how seriously you want to take it and how much you want to believe that what's happening is real. Um, it is... Directed by Jason Wolliner, who did the most recent, the second of the two Borat movies. And it is, and he's also directed on Nathan For You. And so it has definite Nathan Fielder vibes. Mm-hmm. I would say that to me, it is a less successful thing than the rehearsal was. But unquestionably, if you disliked the rehearsal and dislike Nathan For You, you will dislike mm-hmm. this. I feel fairly confident in that because it is a similar. Sense of discomfort, basically, the premise is that this guy Paul T goldman, um not his real name, but close to his real name uh was forty something alone, a single father. He decided he wanted to get married again he uh fell for a woman who was out of his league, but there were strange things about her. she wanted to have kind of a half marriage because she was constantly going up and taking care of his of her ailing grandmother or mother. And he began to suspect some things. He began to suspect that she was stealing money from him. And then as they moved in the direction of divorce, he began to suspect that she was much, much more involved in criminal enterprises than just being a fraudster. And so um, all of this happened. And then he wrote a book that he self-published on Amazon. And then he turned the book into a screenplay, and then he started t- uh, DMing on t- or messaging on Twitter various different directors saying, hey, you want to make this into a movie? Which is a really dumb thing to do, incidentally. Uh, and yet Jason Wolliner said yes, and he decided to simultaneously make a documentary about the guy, but also to adapt the guy's screenplay, uh, but also to adapt the guy's screenplay having Paul Goldman play himself. So... <laughs> then lots of layers and so yeah. it's a lot of it's a lot of genuine general documentary a lot of the making of this movie based on his quote unquote life um a lot of behind the scenes stuff from the making of the movie about his life and more than anything throughout you're supposed to be wondering how serious and how real both Paulty Goldman is and the story that he's telling is and yeah, and it, it is just a, an exercise in reality and storytelling that either is pleasant and intriguing for you or not. I found it interesting. I found it never funny because to me, in some of the same ways that Borat operates, it's consistently punching down. If it is, if it is a comedy, every single joke is directed at this guy, And if you're supposed to laugh at this guy, then clearly this guy is significantly deluded and his delusion is apparently the license to laugh at him. And I find that uncomfortable if he's real. If it is all a ruse, which is completely and totally possible that this is all structured as being a real thing, but it is not, then... I don't know, because it's not funny, Um, but it's either very fascinating, but somehow retrograde in its power relationships, or else it's just retrograde. And I can't tell yet. I've seen five of six episodes, and a lot really is going to depend on where the final episode goes, what gets uh, revealed, and... Yeah, it's it's hard to describe. It's sometimes hard to watch because of all of the cringy humiliation humor. And if you're comfortable just laughing at this random guy who might be deluded, and if he's not deluded, he's just kind of pathetic. If you're comfortable with that, then laugh away at this guy yeah. who is not has no particular agency in this situation at all. He's he's effectively a powerless guy. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's it's tough. And it and, and some yeah. some people find it very funny apparently, and I'm concerned by that.
1: I don't, uh, I, this is not my, this is definitely not my thing. I, there are, sometimes I like these kind of things. I mean, look, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Tom Green. Um, you know, I, and I love what he did and I think he's a pioneer in that. (laughs) If you want to say that a pioneer in that kind of thing. I mean, you know, the guys a Jackass I'm a check, I think. Um, and you know, I, I, sometimes I like it. Sometimes I don't. Um, uh, sometimes I'm very uncomfortable with it. I'm not a fan of Borat in any way, shape, or form. I don't like either of the two movies. Uh, I li- you know, what I like. I like Sasha Baron Cohen when he's not doing his own shit. Like I loved him in Hugo. I like him in, you know, I liked him in uh, Nights. Don't like him when he's doing his own stuff. Don't like Ali G. Don't like Borat. Don't like uh, what the hell was the fashion uh, Bruno. Bruno. Bruno? Bruno. None of that shit. And and a lot of this stuff makes me uncomfortable, and I don't like it. And yet there are certain things. I don't know what it is. I, I can't be discerning about it. I can't explain. Like, for instance, I think Windy City Heat, um, that is hilarious. And, uh, uh, and that's the Bob Goldthwait. You, you remember Windy City yes, Heat, obviously. Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. That one, I, I don't, for some reason, I don't know why. It's, it is, again, it's a joke on somebody. It's, I mean, at its core, it's mean-spirited. Normally, I don't like it. But for some reason, Windy City Heat made me laugh. Um, uh, and, it's, and at its core, it's the same kind of thing. Don't you think?
2: It is. And as is something like uh, the Joe Schmo show, which had several different incarnations, and some people loved that. I think a clear difference. Uh, with Tom Green or with the Jackass guys is that the joke is on them. Yeah. No, that is where the joke yes, is directed.
1: Yes. 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 Yes,
2: uh, yes. And they are the people who are telling the joke and they are bringing the joke upon them by saying, please laugh at me. You're right. Um, you're right. You're absolutely, that's a huge difference, man. And,
1: and you're bringing that up. That's, 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 that's true. And you're right, because they they are the targets of their own jokes. I mean, the jackass guys just like they they kick each other in the nuts and laugh at it. That's the joke. Exactly.
2: And and I think Nathan Fielder, it's similar. Like, I think Nathan Fielder kind of goes half and half. And I think that's why he's fascinating is because to some degree, he is taking normal people and you are supposed to laugh at the normal people. But primarily, the joke is directed at him and how normal people respond to the strange thing he's doing. Right. Um as opposed to simply this is a normal person and we are now going to orchestrate yeah. a wildly ambitious thing to make fun of him.
0: Right.
2: And like even in in the rehearsal which is a tough show to watch but I think it's And I it's like also, that.
1: I I, at, I back with the rehearsal. I don't and know. And I
2: think it I think it, and I think at times it's brilliant but even you know the fundamentalist Christian woman who has the thing built around her Yeah. I she is subject of some of the jokes. But for the most part, it's not laughing at her. And, yeah. and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I think and it, and it's a tough line because it's it comes right up to that line. And I see why you could maybe think that it is, but at the same time, it's as much laughing about him and the strangeness of the situation that he has orchestrated. Whereas I don't know that Paul T. Goldman is that. Okay. And and there's at least the possibility that the ultimate reveal of the series and again i have not seen the sixth episode is one that kind of heroizes jason Woliner, the director who has an on-camera uh role as well and if it okay. becomes this thing in which he becomes this dogged investigator and the series is celebrating him and the story he's told and humiliating this nobody I- i'm really not gonna like that mm. and I, and so i need to know it's it, it is going to come down so totally to the tone of one last 35 minute episode, which is a really tough thing for an entire series to have to hinge on. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And then I don't know why it was popping into my head is this, this type of comedy that I, that I don't know. Sometimes I'm um, it's weird. It's, it's contradictory how I feel about some of these things. Like for instance, I love Eric Andre. Like I could watch, I could watch the Eric Andre show for 10 hours straight and I don't even smoke pot. And, <laughs> and, uh, and I laugh my ass off at that, and and that like he brings people on. Well, there's mostly celebrities, and he, he puts them in weird positions, and he and Hannibal, you know, do ridiculous stuff to them. Um, but I don't know. I think that that kind of has the same feel as Tom Green and Jackass. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I, like, I can
2: yeah. I can see that, and and definitely yeah. there's some of that. No, it's look, it is completely and totally one of those if the vibe of the thing works for you, yeah, then yeah, you don't yeah. find it a problem. And if yeah. the vibe of the thing doesn't work for you, then you do find it a problem. And it's... yeah.
1: I mean, I can't make a blanket yeah. statement because I
2: laughed at Windy City Heat and I still feel guilty
1: about it. Like, <laughs> I still feel guilty about laughing at that goddamn thing.
2: And I don't I don't <laughs> think there's any indication that this show wants you to feel guilty for laughing at, at Paul T. Goldman. I think it wants you to just laugh at him. And I, yeah. I, I just don't feel right about it, but I can I also see how the thing that it reveals itself to be could actually be really perceptive and smart and i think that is the yeah. the positive side of it is if i get to the finale and go ooh that was an interesting deconstruction of this form yeah. then i'll go okay yeah, yeah. this was a this was a journey worth taking yeah. but yeah. let yeah. me know okay cuz <laughs> seriously just let me know
1: uh, because Absolutely. i'm kind of fascinated by it i'm interested in that kind of line that you could like for instance and i'm in the minority on this and this is not docu stuff this is not like targets of of, you know like innocent people docudrama thing but i can't stand the christopher guest movies i can't stand them i think that um that he has nothing but contempt for the characters that he creates and like like i hate waiting for guffman and i'm in theater and, and all of my friends are like how can you hate waiting for guffman because it just seems to me that christopher guest creates these characters and then mocks them incessantly and makes him feel better than the characters that he allows these people to create and he gets himself some of the greatest comedic actors and improvisers in the world and you can't deny you know the amount of talent and 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 the sheer like comedy legends that are in those things but the tone of those movies to me is so incredibly mean-spirited and sort of pretentious and judgmental that they drive me nuts
2: and I hate them I hate his movies I think in the balance I like them, but I can absolutely see how there are kernels of them that fit that description. And if the kernels of them that fit the description is kind of just where your brain goes. And yeah. if that is and if that is the part that you hear and you don't hear the rest, that part is absolutely there. And so yeah. Yeah. and so I think that probably uh, some of them I don't feel that way. Like I, I think I think best in show, I don't have any problem with the people being mocked. <laughs> being yeah. mocked, yeah. Uh, but but it's it becomes a subjective thing where where you walk away and you go, am I okay with this as a world to be made fun of or not? And yeah. either you are or you aren't.
1: Yeah, and it's weird because you know, like I I've always, I always point this out. Like, I get into massive arguments with my friends who you know I've done theater with and comedy with and stuff. Where like, how can you make fun of the, you? Know, like it's like this. It's like there's it's like the holy you know quadruply or whatever how many movies he's ever made. And you're not allowed to make fun of them. I don't like those movies. I think they're mean-spirited. And then I always point out that I love Spinal Tap. And I love Spinal Tap. And I think everything, the reason why I love Spinal Tap is because Rob Reiner directed it. And he's got a heart. And, like, like to me, the example is, in Spinal Tap, of course, these guys are idiots. There's no question about it. But when they get second billing to the puppet show, you feel bad for them. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like, Rob Reiner makes you feel bad for them you know and you care that they get their record contract back at the end and they make friends at the end in these other movies like waiting for guffman and and you know uh, you know the, the wind the wind whatever the hell the uh, folk
2: singer yes, was yes there was mighty wind, mighty wind and, be- and, and best for in your show. consideration yeah, yeah for
1: your consideration there's nothing but like you laugh at these people and all the awful things that they say they're stupid and the bad things that happen to them are supposed to be funny whereas like i said when they get second billing to the puppet show i'm like man why even though they're idiots and that to me the difference is Rob Reiner's direction that at least that's the way I've tried to No, I can
2: I can buy that okay. I can absolutely buy that so, anyway I,
1: I just I've, yeah, as you can tell Dan I've, I've done many years trying to explain my position on why I hate the Christopher Gass movies and it's not uh, it's totally reasonable yeah um, okay listen let's get into something that's on network TV that's actually really good shall we that you liked I think um,
2: I, there's nothing on, on network TV that I thought was really good but there okay, was but, it, but there was at least one recent show that I thought was promising
1: Okay, Will Trent is the one that I'm, I I wanted to to mention. Not Alert Missing Persons Unit.
2: Yes. That that one I don't think is promising. No. <laughs> I read your review. My god, my friend. Wow. <laughs> it's 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 a bad show. It's a, and it's and it's a bad show where where it's not one of those it's so bad it's good. You should check yeah. it out cuz you'll like it. It's yeah. it's just a bad show.
1: Okay. Well, that's crap. Let's talk about Will Trent. What is Will Trent?
2: Yes, uh Will Trent is based on the uh novel series by Karen Slaughter. Apparently it is it is a very, very successful uh literary series. I have not read any of them, but apparently there's one book in which Will Trent interacts with Jack Reacher and I've read twenty one Jack Reacher books, so What?
1: And you've read all those books and you've never
2: <laughs> well no, it's apparently it's a short story in which they oh. or a nove- or a novella in which they interact. So okay. all right. sort of a sort of a, a fun little stunt crossover. Gotcha. Which I'm fine with, but, you know, so that, but that does kind of put in the position of where it is. Basically, the premise is that, that Will Trent is an investigator with the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, uh, played here by, he's played by Ramon, Ramon Rodriguez. And the character is, is damaged because he grew up in the foster system uh the rough side of the foster system in group homes and stuff and uh underwent a horrible amount of abuse he also is dyslexic he has a lot of he has a lot of baggage that make him to me a fairly interesting character and so now he's trying to basically set things right he's trying to install the order onto his world that he didn't have in his own youth and so Mm -hmm. it makes it, it makes him a fairly interesting and almost instantly carefully delineated character and i think that that's often a problem with these procedural results is that they just don't have that and so i think that's a promising start for it and then there's a lot of very good supporting performances uh erica christensen plays uh a uh, also a detective but she also grew up with will in the system and so they mm-hmm. have you this know, it's bond. nice to see
1: her back i've always liked her
2: Oh, she's, and she's great. And she, and she's, and this is a really good part for her. Good, And and I, and I thought that the the dynamic between them was an interesting dynamic because these are two people who, whose relationship has evolved over the years and it includes a sexual component, but it also just includes, they're the only two people in their world who understand their past. And, Mm. and so they speak a language and they speak a language where they don't need to speak the language. And, so it's not a relationship in the sense of they're not married, they're not really dating, but they turn to each other because they see in each other something that they know and something that they feel safe in. And and I think it's a I think it's a good relationship. I think a lot of the supporting performances you have uh uh Sonia Sohn, uh Kima from the wire, of course, who plays yeah. his boss. Yeah, yeah. Um and and the first episode, for no reason in particular, it's a two-part uh opener. Um, based on I believe parts of a couple of the books in the series Uh, the the parents at the center of the case that Will Trent is investigating are played by Jennifer Morrison and Mark Paul Gosselaar so you've got two very established very solid uh, TV actors kind of anchoring the procedural side of the story Mm -hmm. it is still a broadcast show And so I've seen two episodes and you see the hints of the corners they have to cut to be on broadcast of the of the way that they approach the darkness and can only approach it so far. And it's it's the kind of show where if it had been on HBO or uh, the FX or something, and if it had been more serialized and a little bit less clearly intending down the road to be procedurally, I would feel much more confident in it. Mm-hmm. But so many procedurals I watch, and Alert Missing Persons Unit would be a fine example, simply just don't have characters who are interesting, no matter how the writers would try pitching the characters to you. And this one does. It, it, it has good, interesting characters who could be at the center of a good show. They could ultimately be at the center of a completely forgettable show. I will, I will probably watch a handful more episodes. And I haven't felt that way about a broadcast drama, um, and a broadcast procedural at that since the fall that uh, that Evil came out. So it's oh, wow. been a. Few, it's. I'm not saying it's as good as that. I'm just saying it's been a couple years in a row where because that fall, the fall that Evil came out, there were three really solid broadcast dramas. There was Evil, there was the Kobe Smulders thing, and there was an Alison Tolman alien invasion type drama on ABC. They were all ambitious and above average by broadcast standards, and they all basically failed to different degrees in terms of Finding an audience, at least, Evil was able to make a jump over to Paramount Plus, where apparently it's doing well enough to live on. Thank right. heavens! Right. Uh, but yeah, so it's so a couple years in a row happened where there was just no ambition at all to the broadcast slate. This isn't hugely ambitious. It just feels like the kind of thing that could be a, a, a likable, interesting backdrop for a broadcast show. So I'm, cool. I'm I'm hopeful on this. Okay, and that's Will Trent. All right, cool. Indeed.
1: Uh, Dan, always a pleasure. And uh, will, will we get uh, more detailed reports the next time we talk in a couple of weeks about uh, about how things went in, Spr- in
2: Palm Springs? <laughs> I wish it were in Palm Springs, in Pasadena. Um, Pasad- but, sorry, Pasadena, right. Pasadena. But yes, absolutely. Uh, I will be able to have taken a step back from the first returning in-person press tour in three years. And I'll be able to hopefully give some insight into into how the, the press tour progressed and what we learned and stuff. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, later this week, we have... FX chief John Landgraf always gives kind of a state of the state of the union for the television industry in his mm-hmm. January press tour presentation where he gives a list of, of how many scripted shows premiered in the past year and kind of what the shape of the landscape is and so uh, it's always valuable and and so yes I will hopefully be able to give okay. lots of details when we next meet in two weeks you got it
1: okay so that's the fine print F I E N the fine com and Hollywood reporter Dan always a pleasure thank you so much and we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks
2: sound Sounds good, Nick. Till the next All right, time. Buddy.
1: Take care. Dan Bye. Feinberg, everybody. He's the best in the world of TV. Check out thefineprint.com, F-E-I-N. And now let's talk to and say hello to the one and only Esmeralda Leon.
0: Esmeralda. Yeah. Esmeralda Leon. Yeah.
2: Esmeralda. I'm talking about that Esmeralda.
1: For Esmeralda Leon, so let's say hello.
3: Hi, Esmeralda. Hello.
1: How are you?
3: I'm good. How are good. you? Good.
1: I'm okay. I'm pretty good. Um, we are uh, a week today, a week away from our second show at Zanies.
3: Very exciting. It's going to be awesome. I
1: can't um, Yep. Yeah, so it's next Tuesday, January 17th, Zanies and Rosemont. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, a whole bunch of really cool stuff to give away. My dad's going to tell a joke. By the way, I heard the jokes he's telling, Esmeralda. Um, he's even going bluer on this one. My dad's oh, gonna, wow. My, yeah. My dad's even go bluer, even bluer than the last time. <laughs> Man, I heard the jokes. He ran them past me this weekend. I was like, yeah, dad, the, the, those are good, but uh, they're a little, little dirty. My dad's working blue. So any <laughs> one year old dad telling dirty jokes at the end of the show. So you might want to come check that out. Uh, speaking of jokes, uh, a really great, uh, comedian, um, Dwayne Kennedy is going to join us
3: uh, live. And uh, that'll be your first time meeting him.
1: He's he's amazing. Yeah. You'll love him. I, have I know his, to talk
3: about. one of his nephews.
1: You know one of his nephews. You'll have to make sure you bring that up.
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: Maybe yeah. he owes him money or something. I don't know. Let's we uh, make sure you bring Me- that up. Yeah. <laughs>
3: They start a whole world of trouble for him. (laughs) Uh, So Dwayne will be
1: there. We got a bunch of stuff to give away, including swag. We've got uh, Nick D podcast t-shirts to give away, courtesy of my friends over at mybasement.biz, the basement custom shirts. Ron and Jackie made up a whole bunch of shirts for us to give away. And they are at 4723 South Ashland, 773-247-5559, mybasement.biz, if you want any t-shirt needs or screening needs or any of that kind of stuff. Uh, They provided the t-shirts. We have coffee mugs. Nick D uh, podcast coffee mugs that Ed had made up for us our boss over at uh, Radio Misfits nice. um, all kinds of fun stuff uh, we're going to do interactive things it'll all be recorded you will be a part of a live podcast that will last forever and it's going to be a lot of fun <laughs> So, and now
0: oh, Geraldo,
3: I thought yeah. you were making that sound like like it was going to be like a twilight zone where we're there forever yeah <laughs> yeah, we're
0: stuck in Zadies and Rosebud forever <laughs> Nick, yeah,
3: what are you talking we will be able to, about? We'll
1: it will look up and it, like it'll be like we're in a box. We'll all look up to the ceiling and will be people, giant heads <laughs> will be peering in and looking at us like we're little dolls in a box. Oh like, wow! Like that one episode that actually they made. Um, you know that? Uh, did you know that Felicity did a Twilight Zone episode? Hi,
0: I'm Carrie Russell, and really? I love Nick's show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When yeah, was yeah, yeah. this
1: season four? Um oh. or season three? Sorry, season three. And it was all in black and white. It was directed by Lamont Johnson, who actually was an original Twilight Zone director. He directed five or six episodes of the original Twilight Zone. Mm-hmm. And they adapted a classic Twilight Zone episode where all the main characters were stuck inside this room. And you find out that they're little toys in a box at the end. And so Felicity, yeah. Felicity and Ben and Noel... Um, and everybody else, uh, you know, all the supporting characters—they're all dolls in this box. And it's—it was shot in black and white. They used the Twilight Zone theme at the beginning. It's an amazing nice. episode. It's an amazing is, episode. Is that it's the out.
3: one where they like? There's a ballerina. Yeah,
1: that's it. That's the one.
3: And there's like another. Yes. And they just—they're like. Yep. I don't know. I was just. How do we get scene. out of here? Yeah.
1: How, how do we get out of this room? And it's like I think it's called the room, if I'm not mistaken. It has nothing. Yeah, and to I, do with
3: I remember they like stacked themselves yep. high enough, yep. and then in the end. Yep. They get one of them gets taken because they're adults, right? So they're, they're dolls, and that's the, and you
1: out. find that out and and it, imagine the main characters of Felicity. Hi, I'm
0: Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. In and that, are they all themselves?
1: Yeah, yeah, they're no, yeah, they're Ben, they're Noel, they're Felicity. You know what I mean? They're, yeah, they're Megan. They're all the regular. <laughs> they're all so like they're
3: all they're like they just. It got was, it it, into a box.
1: Yeah, there's no. It's a one. It's obviously a one-off. You know what I mean? It's a one-off. Right. One. And it was. It was aired. It was aired Halloween week of that year. And oh, uh, that's fun. And it was awesome. It's a great episode. And I. And I know. Wait a minute. She just...
0: oh. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and oh. I love Nick's show.
3: She's in
1: black and she... white.
0: Of course.
3: <laughs> she wants to talk to you about it. She's like, I, I have fun Russell doing it. I well, love I Nick will show. tell you
1: this if we get the real Carrie, well, not that this isn't the real, because you're the real Carrie I'm Carrie Russell. I, hi, Carrie. And
0: I love Nick Schiff. Because that is
1: actually really Carrie Russell saying that. That really is. It's right. That, <laughs> um, but, um, but, like, t- if I get her on the podcast, besides talking about Cocaine Bear, I will definitely talk about, I mean, if I'm going to talk her ear off about Felicity. And without question, the Twilight Zone episode will come up. It's one of the it's one of the best episodes. So yeah, yeah, very cool. But no, we're not going to be stuck there at Zany's like like Felicity and the gang. (laughs) (laughs) The doors are at six thirty. The show starts at seven thirty. And a really quick announcement: If uh, you want to save a little dough, and I know not everybody can afford uh, to go out and you know spend a lot of money, we have five dollar tickets available. Nice. Um, Zanies was like, yeah, we'll we'll, uh, we'll do some discount tickets for, uh, for the people if uh, you don't have a lot of money or if you want to buy multiple tickets and come with a bunch of people uh, and right? save some money. It's a great way have to a, do it. Have
3: a good old time. And then especially in that area, you can make a whole night of it.
1: You can. There's restaurants everywhere. There's an ice skating mm-hmm. rink right in front if mm-hmm. you want to do a little ice skating. Um, there's a bunch of great restaurants and bars. You can grab a drink afterwards or beforehand or some dinner. Uh, obviously, you can, you can go drink. see a movie. Yeah, you can go <laughs> across the street afterwards and see a movie because uh, we're, we're done at 9 30. You can go to a 10 o'clock movie. You can have a late dinner or go to a movie uh, right down the a You so can go to, the casino? to do. casino. <laughs> there is a casino not too far away. Yeah, there's so much to Rosemont is a hopping, hopping joint. Let me just say. Right? Um, but five bucks, if you want to pay five bucks to get in, you can. And here's how you do it you can go to Com. You find the Nick D Podcast Show, which is on Tuesday, January 17th. And when you order your tickets, use promo code FUNNY, F-U-N-N-Y, all caps. So FUNNY! All caps, FUNNY! You know, that, that, FUNNY! Exactly. <laughs> so go to rosemont.zanies.com, the Nick D podcast live on January 17th. If you type in promo code, they'll tell you, hey, do you have a promo code? And yes, you do. And it's all caps, F-U-N-N-Y, FUNNY in all caps. Your tickets will be five bucks a piece. And that's a nice. great deal a great deal. That
3: is a very good deal. So you'll save
1: some money and that means you can bring more people and you can pack the place. So $5 tickets are on sale right now. They just went on sale uh just for the last week before we before the show. And again, com. funny is the uh is the promo code and get your tickets now for January 17th. It's going to be great. And we're going to do a taste test. Uh as to tell everybody where we went. You and I uh took the bus and went and had, oh, some, had a little so adventure. We- <laughs>
3: I love that. Where did we took the bus? We, we took did. the bus. We took the Pulaski to this, bus
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> to this um great candy store called Dulce Landia, which is essentially candy land. Yeah. Uh in English. Yeah. And they have so many types of candies that are mainly um, Latin candies, yeah. Mexican candies. Yeah. Um but they are apparently the largest retail and wholesale distributor of Mexican candy in the Midwest. Yeah, uh, so I that's mean, it, was like, it. Literally, cool. like, and we, it was, yeah, there's so it, it, much. It
1: was literally like walking into uh, Mexican uh, Willy Wonka.
3: Willy. Yeah,
1: what would and what would Willy Wonka it be was in Mexican? So cool. What would what would he be in? What would Willy Wonka be in Spanish? Is there is there is there? A, is there a... um,
3: they would probably just say Willy. Wheelie. Wheelie. <laughs> <laughs> Willy Wonka. <laughs>
1: Well, that's what it was like. I expected Gene Wilder or my future, my future uh, husband, uh, Timothy Chalamet, because he's in the remake, which is coming out this year. Um, did oh, you know that nice. he's playing Willy I Wonka?
3: Forgot about that,
1: he's playing Willy Wonka. So it would have been ve- that would be a really interesting way to have like Timothy Chalamet's name pronounced in span in Spanish as Willy Wonka. <laughs>
3: that would just fuck everybody's mind up completely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think they just go with it's just Willy Wonka, so that you yeah. would just say it how you'd go Willy yes, Wonka. Course. Yeah,
1: <laughs> but 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 it, literally, I walked in there and was like, wow! And also, Esmeralda, the amount of awesome uh, and really specific and very cool pinatas.
3: Yeah, oh and God. that's not even that's not even the half of it. If you go into their website, which is uh, dulcelandia.com, dot com, mm-hmm. d u l c e. LANDIA. They have way more. Uh you could get a TikTok symbol.
1: See, I don't need that in my life. You could
3: get an angry birds head.
1: <laughs> well, they had so many of them. They had like uh characters from movies and characters from TV shows and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and then they had the regular You could regular... get baby sharks. You could Oh my god, I bet <laughs> sure I'm sure parents would be thrilled about that. But but yeah so and you can get you can get the you can get the piñata you can get the candy to fill the piñata and there are mm-hmm. I mean I mean thousands of different types of candies in there and I'm not exaggerating it was like <gasps> like you walk in there if you're a candy fan you're going to you're going to be there for you're never going to leave it's unbelievable Oh yeah And so then we, what's
3: great about it is that you can so they have it loose you can buy in bags yeah. but you can also just Buy loose, so then, like, say you only want a couple of something, yeah, and yeah, you can buy them by the pound. Well, I have a pound. So and you a can half. shove we them each... into a pinata, or you just eat them. I, I just got a from the
1: uh, Dolce de, uh, del Solandia, and I'm really tearing that apart. I'm sorry, it's uh, Candyland, <laughs> um, and it's they have their own bags with the sun with his tongue hanging out because he's very happy because it's tasty, and, and I have a pound and a half of candy, <laughs> and I tasted a little bit of it that I have doubles in. Mm. And one of them one of them, and you're not you're not joking, esmeralda the, the uh you you uh you guys like your hot shit let me yeah
3: man yeah, a lot of the stuff is spicy M- it's man. spicy sweet
1: one of them I <laughs> thought my brain was gonna blow out of my head uh, oh really oh my God, one of them I was like, oh I have a little piece, little piece of candy whoa like crazy Jesus Christ get really? the get the fire, get the fire oh. extinguisher,
3: oh my God. Oh, boy.
1: But anyway, what we're going to do is we bought a bunch of genuine uh, uh, Mexican candy from that store to mm-hmm. taste test with everybody. We're going to give you some, yes. s- some Mexican candy, and everybody, uh, most of the people in the audience will pass it out, and a lot of people in the audience will have their chance to taste test some crazy, wonderful Mexican candy. Um, mm-hmm, and that's mm-hmm. what we, we, we purchased a bunch of that stuff for the gig on uh, Tuesday the 17th. So if you come broadening, to broadening,
3: broadening your horizons, exactly.
1: Broadening your candy horizons. <laughs> so if you come out on the 17th, in addition to getting laughs and possibly winning a bunch of prizes, you will definitely get to taste some Mexican candy. So that's all part oh, of it. Yeah. So eight, four, seven, eight, one, three, zero, four, eight, four. That's the box office for Zanies and Rosemont. And again, com. type in promo code funny. <laughs> F U N N Y all caps five dollar for your ticket. So there you go. Nice. All right. Um uh so I, I have a um uh oh shit. You know what I forgot to do? What? I forgot to load up the voicemail. I went. no, did I load up the voicemail? Hold on a second, did I?
0: <laughs> I did not.
3: Uh, did Can I? you do it while we're here?
1: Yeah, let me see if I can. No, I don't think I can. Uh <laughs> I don't think I can. We'll have to save the voicemail. Oh. I'll save it for next time. I'll save it for next okay. time. Let me just say, I will say <laughs> that Dan from, Dan from Bartlett left a voicemail, Esmeralda. Mm-hmm. And we'll do it on, on Friday's show. We'll do it on Friday's show. I'll remember. I okay. promise I'll remember to load it in. Um, but yeah, it, it, it involves, he remembers the theme song that Skaggs wrote for you for Rose Show.
3: Oh yeah, it was a song. It was like yeah. a play on a thing, yep. an Elton John well, song. He yeah.
1: sings it for you. Yes, it oh, is. Oh wow, it's, he
3: remembers it. Yeah. Okay, yeah.
1: So I'll play that. But it is. A, it is. An, well, obviously, it's a. It, it's a. It's it's a takeoff on Levon, because your last name is Leon. Mm hmm. And that's the way Skaggs is brainwashed. <laughs> um,
0: and this
3: is the one he would. I believe he would sing it to me. Like he yep. would before. Before he made the song and recorded anything, he would just see when we would see each other in the hallway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he would just. Sing.
1: And, and then it became a theme that was played on Rokan's show in the afternoon when you did. Yeah. When you first started at uh, the car wash and you worked yeah. with him. Well, Dan from Bartlett, I didn't remember to load up your voicemail, and I don't want to take a chance on trying to get it and then disconnecting everything and screwing up the whole right. thing. Right. So next we'll definitely next time. Next time we got. But anyway, time. And, and then uh, you know <laughs> I, I messed this up, so Harrison Ford says, "Get the fuck out of my house." There you go. <laughs> So that's <laughs> and, and of course. God damn it, Nick! That's right. Yeah, there you so go. That's the one, God right there. God damn it, Nick! Yeah. Get the
3: fuck out of my house! There you go. So. <laughs> all
1: right. So, but we do have. Uh, I want first of all to mention an email that uh, one of our subscribers, uh, Carrie, sent. Carrie, uh, Carrie Lindsay is her name. Mm-hmm. And just briefly, I'm not going to read the whole thing. Uh, uh, it was it was a long uh, and really wonderful and heartfelt uh, email from someone who just discovered that we were back doing our thing. Oh, nice! Um, and dates back a long time, and was you know, you know, was there during the hard time and all that stuff. Whatever. The point is that she wrote mm-hmm. a very lovely uh, and and really nice uh, email saying that she loves uh-huh. our podcast and is so glad that we're doing it. And she is now because we got a year's worth of podcast. She just found us a little while ago, so she's playing catch up. And she's sending oh, yeah. emails, sending emails, going, "Oh my god, this was so good from stuff like nine months ago." So, that's, uh. so <laughs> but she's catching up. So, anyway, thank you, Carrie, for that lovely, um, nice for that lovely thing. So, uh, there you go. All right, um, and then uh, uh, then we do have this. <gasps>
0: McRib
3: is back.
1: That's right. Okay,
3: <laughs> is it is it still?
1: It is. No, oh, no, okay. it's gone. It's gone oh, in New York. It, oh. Yeah, it's gone. Yeah. Now mm. I do have a megaphone message. <clears throat> oh, okay. This is from Rob with two B's, Rob K. Mm-hmm. And this is his request. Now I'll play it, and then again I'll explain it. Okay. Got
0: and it. And if you, again,
1: if you have a megaphone message, I'm your megaphone message monkey. I will speak into the megaphone message, <laughs> a joke, a message, uh, some sort of secret code, anything you want me to say into the meg- megaphone, uh, mes- megaphone. And by the way, we're giving away a magic megaphone.
3: Yes, you can have your own magic megaphone. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And then record people. <laughs> exactly. And,
1: and we are giving that away at Zanies. We will, we will be giving away a uh, uh, a megaphone, an actual megaphone, the same one that I'm holding in my hand right now. Uh, mm-hmm. It'll be autographed by me and Esmeralda, and more importantly, an actual celebrity Dwayne kennedy will, uh, will also overlap. yeah wear whatever's yeah. you can
3: rub it off later we won't but uh, <laughs> but
1: i will speak anything you want into this megaphone and uh you can just email me with the instructions uh nick at gmail.com okay i'm gonna play that are you ready as i'm gonna play mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. uh current message that rob with two b's rob k wanted me to play here we go jerry it's frank Costanza. mr steinbrenner's here george is dead call me back Jerry, it's Frank Costanza. Mr. Steinbrenner's here. George is dead. Call me back. So. (laughs) Jerry, it's Frank Costanza. Mr. Steinbrenner's here. George is dead. Call me back. So that's from. Okay, so that's (laughs) (laughs) clearly from an episode of Seinfeld, and it's actually one of my favorite moments in 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 Seinfeld history. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and it's self-explanatory. It's it's uh, uh, it's Jerry Stiller as uh, Frank Costanza. Yes. Uh, they think that George is dead, <laughs> and his, <laughs> his, and he calls up and leaves a message on George's or on on Jerry's machine, and the and the message is just this: it's just this." Jerry, it's Frank Costanza. Mr. Steinbrenner's here. George is dead. Call me. back. <laughs> so that, that's how he, that's how his son <laughs> is dead, and that's how. Now he wanted me. So Rob wanted me to do this, but I, I, you know, when when we normally get quotes, you know, or scenes from movies or TV shows. Mm-hmm. I usually record it from the actual thing, right? But this is me. That was me, obviously. If you can't, you can't yes. tell, that I, was me.
3: I was like, "What? Jerry yeah. Stiller is alive?"
1: Yeah, well, uh- <laughs> Jerry Stiller. But but it's here's and you'll understand why I chose to actually say it into the magic megaphone myself because it would have been garbled. Because here's the real clip. Listen closely, Esmeralda. This is the actual real clip from that episode where they think George is dead. Mm-hmm. Jerry it's Frankenstein's Mr. stone runner's here George dead. call me back. So you can understand yeah. why that wouldn't cuz it's over the phone and there's a door slamming in the middle of it you know what i mean? So one more time listen very closely. Jerry it's Frankenstein's the Mr. Steinbrenner's here George dead.
3: call me back. So it wouldn't work through the megaphone.
1: You know what i mean? Right. It wouldn't read. So and I
3: also I think it's better. I think it's better when you say them. Jerry, it's Frankenstein. <laughs> Mr. Steinbrenner's here. George is dead. Call me back. So that's
1: that's. Jerry,
3: it's Frankenstein. <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. Oh, wow. Jesus. Oh wow. Jesus,
1: he's calling the cops. But but then again, this is the, the again this is the real and play. It's Frank. Yeah. Jerry, it's Frankenstein. Mr. Steinbrenner's here. George is
3: dead. Call me back. <laughs> so, and then <that> just. <laughs>
1: That cracks me up so, so much. Uh, Jerry Stiller was was so great on that show. It was just so funny.
3: Oh yeah,
1: fantastic. Oh so anyway, Rob wanted to hear that line from Seinfeld. And again, anything you want in the Magic Megaphone. We're still backed up around yeah. three. We got three or four more that I haven't said yet. But continue to bring them in, Nick at uh, Podcast at Gmail dot com. So anyway.
3: very fun. Yeah,
1: but yeah, that's one of my favorite uh, one of my favorite Seinfeld moments. Um, Jerry, Mr. Steinfredder's here. George's dad called me back. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. All right. So um, we were talking about heroic celebrities Mm -hmm. the the last uh, couple of episodes, and now we're going to go the opposite. We're going to go celebrity drama and scandal. Because that's always fun, right?
3: (laughs) (laughs) I like that we were like, no, we talk – about them as heroes, now right. we're like, now we're gonna now talk. We're now,
1: about them. Exactly. Now it's like, fuck them, you know. And now we're now gonna, we're just right. gonna talk
3: shit about That's them. Right. <laughs> That's right.
1: That's uh, right. Hey, by the way, my dad's uh, coming in to tell a joke at uh, at the end of this. Segment. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hi, yeah. I'm Carrie Russell, yeah, I and
0: it. I love Nick's show.
1: That's right. Okay. All right. Ow! Okay. So, are you ready for? Uh, let me hear what you like in the celebrity drama stories that we have. So these are sort of like celebrity dramas and you know gossip and stuff like that. These are fun to talk about and what did anything pop
3: out at you in the in
1: the celebrity drama category?
3: Um so and I just saw this one I didn't uh I've never heard this so this is fun. Oh, so it's new. Uh, okay. Yeah, Madonna got drunk and fell off of a stage? Yeah. Good lord. Yeah.
1: What does it say? And just the
3: way that they say. It, so the way that they they explain it too is, is kind of she. Um, it was a concert in Australia. Mm-hmm. She apparently appeared to get good and liquored up on stage while dressed up as some sort of ironic Victorian rodeo clown. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> poor Madonna. I mean, she's got to let loose. I guess. I guess. Um, um... I've never yeah i never heard about this yeah and i would um, think i would know her you know well you know madonna news
1: yeah she the, the thing is um she never really does that kind of stuff she's not i mean she's you know um yeah and what was this but by the way what 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 did she say at the end of this what does
3: it say oh. she moaned something <laughs> she said someone please take care of me please who is going to take care of me? And please, someone fuck me. She then attempted to ride, then fell off a tiny children's tricycle. Why was there a tiny cho- children's tricycle on the stage? It's Madonna. I don't, I don't. Uh, and then apparently, she claims that she was not drunk on stage. Uh huh. So well, she was. She says, thanks for supporting me. Too bad people don't know the art of acting and playing Uh, a character.
1: I see. Okay. Well, I will tell you this. Uh, So I will tell you. Yeah. I I will tell you this. Um, She's not known for, she's never had any kind of uh, tabloid story concerning any sort of drugs or alcohol ever. Ever. Madonna,
3: right? Act. And then I just—I, you know what? Bless her. Maybe she had an off night or whatever. I just—or mm-hmm. maybe I she's telling the, the truth.
1: Or maybe she's telling the truth about I wasn't drunk. I was acting. You know what I mean?
3: True. But I I'm can't... also like, was that a good show? You know what I mean? Like the fans who paid God knows how much to see her.
1: Yeah. Hey, by the way, speaking of that. Do you remember? Uh, they, I think they just settled that Creed lawsuit just last week, or something. <laughs> what? Or they? Or it was the anniversary? No, I'm sorry, it was the anniversary. Do Do you remember when Creed played like 20 years ago? Oh, and ago? he was
3: like all
1: he was loaded. Scott Stepp was shit faced. Mm. Oh, and then people sued. People sued. Yes, it was at the Rosemont or, or uh, the Allstate Arena. Oh, Here in Chicago, it was in Chicago. Soup. It was in Rosemont. It's right around the corner from where we're going to be on January seventeenth. It's '80s. Um, but yeah, so so Scott Stapp came out. This was at the height of the popularity of uh, of Creed. So this was like yeah. twenty years ago. So it was like two thousand two. Remember when Creed? How big they were in two thousand two? Oh yeah. And so uh, and so you know the place is packed. There's like eighteen thousand people in a sold out uh, Allstate Arena, and Stapp came out shit face like he was loaded. Where he mm-hmm. was like, he couldn't see, he couldn't remember the words. He was mumbling. He fell on stage and was laying on his back on stage through entire songs. Couldn't remember it. And, and it was a complete disaster, and they had to cut the show short. Um, and I guess he, they played for at least an hour, and that whole hour, he was like, Fly, blah, blah. let me take you. Ah, and he's falling all over the place, you know. And, and there was a lawsuit that the, the, the people who paid money, the concertgoers paid money to see they sued Creed, and they sued the, I, I don't know if it was Live Nation or whoever it was who sponsored the concert. Um, and mm-hmm. then they settled it at some point, but that it was the anniversary. And I'll never forget it, because like, I was, uh, vocally during my show at that time when I was doing my, my show on the car wash, I, I am, I'm, a, I'm a supporter of Creed. I happen to like Creed. Um, okay. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and during that time, it was not popular for
3: mm-hmm.
1: someone to say that they liked Creed. Uh, sure, and, yeah. You know, especially someone of my age at that time, mm-hmm. uh, especially someone who like, you know, likes Black Sabbath and likes the real shit like Metallica. I, people would like, are you out of your mind? Why do you like Creed? And I just was like, I love Creed. I think they're great. Um, and I remember this because Judy Pilak, who was uh, in the news department back at the car wash back then. Mm hmm. Her son went to that show because her son was like I don't know, 13, oh. or, thirteen or fourteen, so he's the perfect age yeah. to like Creed, as opposed to you know like a near forty year old man like me uh, at that time to <laughs> like Creed. Um, and so she, after this whole thing happened, I remember I was walking through the, <laughs> I was walking through the newsroom. She comes up, and she goes, "Hey, you!" And I'm like, "What?" And you know, you know Judy. <laughs> she comes up and she goes, "Listen, what the hell is wrong with you? You, what was wrong with what was wrong with that Creed guy?" Why why was he why was he drunk? And she's I'm screaming like, I'm not at me his and no exactly she's screaming at me <laughs> like annoyed. I know him. You know just because I like the band. Oh my
3: goodness.
1: Judy Pilak went off on me like like I owed her money, you know for the ticket. And was like screaming at me because Scott Gap was drunk. I'm like I got no control over the when she's like well you like that damn band. I'm like yeah I do. <laughs> It's a very mom that.
3: thing to do? Yeah, to yell at someone and blame them like I had you have any control over what because this because I was the only famous one, group did
1: I was the only one who was stupid enough to actually vocalize that I liked the band on a fifty thousand watt radio station I actually said I like Creed and talked about them a lot and it became a thing on the show because it was right. a joke like my people yeah. would call up and go you're an idiot and my producer at the time Andy Herman was like fucking idiot why would you why do you like Creed <laughs> and it became a running gag. And so, of course, when I walked after this thing, this debacle happened, it was world news. And obviously, it just mm-hmm. it happened in Chicago. And Pilak grabbed me and would start screaming at me because Scott's Gap was drunk, like it was my fault.
3: <laughs> so they issued uh, not a refund, but an apology. <laughs> at the time. Yeah. Uh, it said, the band has heard that you are unhappy with the quality of the recent Creed show in Chicago.
0: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
3: we apologize if you don't feel that the show is up to the very high standards set by our previous shows in Chicago. Right. There has been much concern about Scott's health, and we want to assure everyone that he is doing very well and is taking a much needed break at home in Orlando.
1: <laughs> they kicked him out of the band a year later. Oh. Damn. yeah and then they reunited and you know and they what they
3: honestly i mean they were just asking for their ticket money back and yeah. the parking fees it, yeah. it wasn't you know they could have gone even further and been like i was traumatized right i need money for that well, they were just like can i just I get mean, my money back for these tickets
1: <laughs> i i've <laughs> seen footage and it's unbelievable how loaded he was i mean i've seen drunk i've seen people come out and be shit-faced you know and and you know on stage before i you, you know i mean i've seen the replacements live like 10 times and uh, there was a period yeah. of time when you didn't know what paul westerberg you were going to get you know what i mean <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you knew they never knew what kind of replacement show you were going to get you they were either going to be completely loaded or they weren't and i've seen other people shit faced on stage before but i mean yeah. this was unbelievable like he collapsed he was laying on his back with the mic going yeah. wah, wah, wah. i was like what the fuck oh you know. lord no i was
3: bad it was bad. And by the I way, say this, uh, yeah, fairly cheap ticket cuz they were only asking for the uh for four tickets which is 227 uh divided by 4 $56. Well, that about. was
1: 2000. It was 20 years ago
3: though. Well, that, still.
1: Yeah, I mean that was 20 years ago. For so. like
3: a big arena show like 56 bucks, that doesn't seem that a yeah, pretty good pretty I, good you deal know,
0: for a ticket. I don't know.
1: And in 2002 <laughs> that still seems a little expensive for Creed. Uh, you know, I, now you know, Esmeralda. That my, you know, what my go-to karaoke song is, right? Uh, is it the higher one? It's higher by Creed. Yeah, mm, I do the mm-hmm. whole thing. I do the whole Jesus pose. The whole I do oh, the whole Lord. nine.
3: <laughs> no, I love those guys.
1: <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So he was legitimately drunk. Madonna, I don't know. I don't
3: Who know. knows? I mean, it's not that. I I just think it's funny how she's like, no, yeah, I just did that for. Uh, acting, and acting,
1: of and of course that's and of course she would blame people for not getting it because that's Madonna. You didn't get it. Yeah. I was, you know what I mean. That's fucking like, Madonna. sorry. Yeah, sorry, sorry about it. I'm cool. I'm fucking cooler than you are. You didn't get it. You know what I mean? That's full like, on okay. Madonna. That's full on Madonna. God, I love her. All right, now you were you a fan of Community when it was, uh, you know, when it yes, was on? great yes, show, yes, 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 and and Community, uh, which Joel McHale, uh, who now I just can't stand. Anymore, yeah, so, he has fully oh,
3: embraced his assholey yes, nature. He
1: is the he is like the epitome of douchebaggery. Like I just mm-hmm. you know, and he was playing that character. He was playing a douchebag in Community, and that was kind of his thing. Um, but so I mean, he was you, just
3: playing himself. Yeah, yeah, I
1: didn't realize he really <laughs> was truly a douchebag until I mean, that show was, has been off the air for like 17, 18 years now. Yeah. Um, but at its height, it was one of the best shows, if not the funniest show on TV. And you look at that that group of people and what they've gone on to, you know, I mean mm-hmm. like fucking Donald Glover, Jesus Christ. Oh, he's yeah? like, you know, I mean, Atlanta only one of the greatest television shows in the history of t- TV. And, mm. you know, Gillian Armstrong is in- incredible. And Allison Brie, um, Danny Pudi, everybody in it uh, was so good. But one of the things that that show did was it revived Chevy Chase's career. Who mm-hmm. for so many years was considered on, on, un- you know, an unbelievable prick, you know, uh, a petty, jealous asshole. Um, and I, you know, my, my my. By the way, my podcast uh, debuts tomorrow um, for the SNL podcast. That show hasn't been funny in years. Debuts tomorrow, and um, nice. and I Yay. know that during dur- Thank you. That during one of these episodes <laughs> of SNL, we will talk about what an unmitigated prick everybody who's ever worked with Chevy Chase thinks he is.
3: Well, at uh, least he's consistent.
1: Exactly. Well, he came back, <laughs> and Dan Harmon, who's the guy who created Ch- uh, who created Community, gave him a great role, and he was fucking hilarious on Community. And it was the mm-hmm. first time I laughed at Chevy Chase literally since maybe Fletch. So we're talking like <laughs> so wow. we're talking like the eighties. Maybe Three Amigos was the last time oh, I ever laughed at him. Dang. And he was consistently hilarious. You you watch Community? He was hilarious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was great. And then the drama started because it's Chevy Chase. (laughs) Right. And uh, Chevy Chase and Dan Harmon uh, had a, this went on for a while uh, because Dan Harmon left the show for a while
0: Mm -hmm.
1: uh, and the show dropped in quality big time. It's one of those cases where, you know, when a showrunner or a creator leaves a show and it suffers. Yeah. That was the case with Community when Dan Harmon left. Man, did it suck. And then he came back and it got better again
3: yeah that's actually um to throw it into the the other drama they do have that on here that they call that the gas leak year, yes,, <laughs> the season they that he was do. not yeah. run by Dan Harmon, yeah because the everyone and then every everyone acted weird and out of character yeah because there was a gas leak
1: because there was a gas leak that's what
3: they did yeah
1: <laughs> that's funny that's funny well anyway if you if you want to google this. Uh here's what it says. Chevy Chase and Dan Harmon kept fighting. Um it was reportedly the reason behind Pierce's disappearance from the show, the character that he played was Pierce.
3: Well, um, so I was um I uh it was um it was on Instagram, but I believe it was a TikTok or whatever. It's um I don't know who who the the creator or whatever is, but he was a, community? a community. Mm-hmm. Well, no, Dan no, Herman. he wasn't a creator. He's just a content creator oh, okay. on okay. Instagram. He used to, or he still does, I think. He's um plays behind the scenes people, or what are they called? Extras. The extras? He was an extra, yeah. but he was like a a regular extra. Got it. In yeah. community, he yeah. was in like one of the groups of mm-hmm. students. Mm-hmm. So he said so he was there the day that um uh Chevy Chase got like kicked out, kicked out, kicked out for,
1: for after so many months of drama
3: yes because yeah. apparently he had said the n-word yep. yep and um the actress i forget her name nicole
1: nicole um yvette yvette nicole brown yeah yvette yes, nicole, yvette, um, she
3: yeah. walked off and yep. said that she was not coming back unless he was gone yep and they escorted him out yep. and then then he died <laughs> on By the, the th- show. yeah
1: pierce died <laughs> yeah not not chevy chase, chevy yeah. chase is still alive. chevy chase is still yeah. alive uh, by the way, enough, still I, 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 alive. I, I would like to mention, <laughs> I've read the book Live from New York by Tom Shales um, mm-hmm. a bunch of times. It is, it, without question, the best book ever written about SNL. Um, and is updated every few years to get stories about current cast members and stuff. Mm-hmm. So nice. it's a wonderful, wonderful, in- incredible book. And it's been my Bible now that I'm starting this podcast. <laughs> right. <laughs> I've been rereading it and going back. And it's this is not the first uh, uh, time... That it it has been said uh, that uh, that Chevy Chase has used that wonderful world word. Uh, wow! It's not no no no. It's not not the first time.
3: How how did he not? How has he not gotten his ass beat? Like <laughs> um,
1: no, I know there there was a period of time, and I will say this: there was a period of time, like in the seventies and early eighties, when saying that word, although not acceptable, was forgiven. You know what I mean? Like it mm. was, it was so okay. ubiquitous. There was a period of time, especially in the se- No, especially in the seventies. Forgiven by who? Well, uh, you know, I mean, but it was more. It wasn't no, seriously. It was more. It was more. It was heard a lot when I was growing up. That word was said a lot. Um, and uh, you know, it was more. It was like in the stuff that I grew up watching. I I would go and see black exploitation movies. I would go and see those kind of movies and hear the word a lot. And y- you know, at, when I was growing up, I knew it was a terrible word. But it was Mm. heard a lot, and you didn't, like, if you said it, it wasn't like, oh, my God, this person is never going to be able to walk the planet again. It was horrible and offensive, but you know what I mean? It didn't have the kind of – and it should have, but but back in those days, a lot of things that people say that – in the well, 70s. Well,
3: also, it's, you know, you're watching this in black blaxploitation movies. Right, of course. Who's saying the word? Right. <laughs> well, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, both,
1: b- b- everybody was saying it at that time in those movies and things like that. And it was not, and again, it wasn't good. Like, if you go back and you watch something like 48 Hours, Nick Nolte says it mm-hmm. like seven, eight times in that movie. Um, <sighs> and, and, no, seriously, I know. And, and but back, that was in 1982. And it was like, oh God, what a jag off. And then, but, but you can't, you know, like, obviously the heft of that word, it's a horrible word. But there was a yeah. period of time when people, I guess, did not acknowledge how offensive and how deeply degrading that word is, and it was said all the time. And so there was a period of time, I guess, where Chevy Chase was like, yeah, I can say that word and get away with it, and you could say that word mm-hmm. and get away with it. And then, I guess, in 2006, he forgot that it wasn't 1978 anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and and you can't say that word? And And I guess he forgot that, like— uh, everybody knows that Chevy Chase is a prick on many levels, right? So yeah, yeah,
3: I don't think he forgot. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, well, he, he didn't care. Uh, basically, like Chevy Chase just doesn't care. He no, he never did. He never did. But yeah, but God, he was funny on on Community. He was funny. He on was. that show. He was hilarious on that show. So yeah, but that drama went on for a long time. In fact, Dan Harmon. I don't know if you if you remember this, Esmeralda. But if you Google this whole Dan Harmon Chevy Chase feud. If you Google mm-hmm. it, you'll be you'll be down a wormhole because there are videos oh and, au- and and audio <laughs> stuff and stories yeah. where the the conflict between those two guys just raged and it bled into the set and everything and then and that's why Yvette walked off because not only was it horribly offensive for him to say that word in front of anyone, let alone her, yeah. but this was the capper. I'm, I can't take this anymore. You know what I mean? Like I can't because this drama had been going on for months while they were doing Community, but. If you go back, and as well, I suggest you do this. Dan Harmon did a tour where he did like a spoken word tour. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he, he would also do commencement speeches at, at, at colleges and stuff, obviously, because community. But he would do commencement speeches at colleges and stuff. And he mm-hmm. became very popular just doing kind of one-man show stand-up spoken word thing. Hmm. And okay. he, would bring, he would bring his phone out at one point in the show and he would play back voicemails left by Chevy Chase.
3: It's fun. <laughs> oh, God.
1: <laughs> and you, some of them, unbelievable. Like, you got to look that up, Esmeralda. You'll have fun with that. Yeah. Just Dan Harmon on stage going, ladies and gentlemen, this is Chevy Chase. And he would just, without <laughs> saying a word, he'd put the phone up to the microphone and let Chevy Chase bury himself. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, so the Chevy Chase, Dan Harmon, that was a lot of drama. A lot of drama. There there uh, anything else in the celebrity drama
3: front here that you, uh, that stepped out at you here? Um, I kind of, I mean, I essentially knew this because okay. it just seems very, yeah, that makes sense that Biff Tannen was based on yeah. Donald Trump.
1: The futuristic Biff Tannen. Yeah.
3: Um, yeah.
1: The, the, in, 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 back to the future part two, essentially. Yeah. um.
3: That makes yeah. complete sense. Like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> even back then you're still like you'd be well, like yeah that's Donald Trump.
1: <laughs> the the no absolutely and I mean if if you if you remember back to the Future Part 2 came out in 1989 and the 80s were a big decade for Trump as a celebrity, and his books came right. out then, and he was yeah. very New York, and he owned all the buildings, and his, the caricature that was Donald Trump was kind of, you know, he was, you know, he, I guess, Ivanka was his wife at the time, or whatever, I don't remember exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, he was, like, he had an affair with Marla Maples at that time, it was, you know, so he was, in the 80s, he was a big, you know, tabloid guy. Um and so yeah, Zemeckis wrote Biff Tannen, especially the scenes in part two where Marty McFly goes back to the to the nineteen eighty five uh That's been changed, where like mm-hmm. Biff Tannen owns the big casino and he's married to Leah Thompson and she's got she had a tit job, he made her get a tit job. You remember all that? Yeah. <laughs> That was yeah. all Donald Trump, and if you watch it now, it's, if you watch Back to the Future, now, <laughs> Back to the Future Part Two especially, and even Back to the Future, it, it you know Biff is based on him, but Back to the Future Part Two especially, all of that stuff in the casino, all of that stuff, you look at it now and you're like, that guy became our president, and he was like, and if I remember, right? I'm thinking, oh. he was running for office too, Biff, in that he was thinking about running for office in that movie. So I blame I blame Zemeckis for for all of it. <laughs> <laughs> uh. But, yeah, Biff Tannen based on Donald Trump, especially this. And, again, when was the last time you watched the second Back to the Future? As well? Um
3: You know what? Sometimes it comes on TV. Yeah. Like, I don't seek it, it in, out, but it'll yeah. be, yeah, it'll be on TV. And I'll be like, oh, yeah. watch it for a bit.
1: I watch all three. I love all three of them. Um, you know, I mean, the first one's one of the greatest movies ever made. But but that second one, when you get to all that whole dark section, it's really dark, too. Like, really yeah. dark. Uh, and disturbing, all of that stuff. You watch it, and you're like, "God damn it, that's Trump." That's, <laughs> that's
0: ridiculous.
1: And in, in, in Back to the Future, you know, uh, part two, uh, you know, like Zemeckis kind of predicted Trump, mm-hmm. and he also predicted that the Cubs won the World Series in 2015.
3: Oh, right. And they won
1: in 2016, <laughs> which, by the way, was the same year that Trump was elected. So I blame Zemeckis for all of this.
3: He conjured it up. He manifested it with this damn movie.
1: <laughs> and he's like my favorite director, you know. And I, I blame his ass for all of this.
3: But yeah, it was so weird. He, he said
1: that in, in according to Back to the Future in 2015, the Cubs win the World Series, and you know, Biff Tannen slash Donald Trump rises to power, and that all happened in 2016 in real life. <laughs>
3: You must feel so bad about it. Yeah.
1: So Anyway. <laughs> All right.
3: We've got so much more of
1: this drama we can talk about the next time. Uh, but we've got some uh, Japanese candy that we have to take, snacks here that we have yes. to test. And my dad's going to stop by for a joke. So we've got, um, explain um, what we have here. This, let's do the candy first. Okay. So we were trying to figure out what this was before we started recording. And they're little candies that are in a foil pouch. My pouch, they look like little M&Ms, and my pouch is shaped like the number seven.
3: Yes. Um, And mine is shaped like a number eight. Right. But seven pieces.
1: Yeah. I don't know. Still seven pieces. Yeah. Yours is shaped like number eight. You have seven pieces. Mine is shaped like number seven, and I have seven pieces. So you did, but you did do a little research, and you we were trying to figure out. You were like going crazy because you were trying to figure out what is this, what's the meaning behind it. What did you find? Exactly. In, in what were your results in looking for this Japanese sort of what looks like M and M's? What do we? What, what did you
3: find? So I found a couple things. One was uh, I didn't find anything with the num uh number shaped tin foil, but there was one that was shaped like a key, like a skeleton key. Mm-hmm. Um, there was also a different candy. Um, That's on the tinfoil and they're little round ones, but they do like fortune telling. So there's more writing on them and they're like little sheets that you pop out the candies and it's supposed to like tell your fortune when you pop out the candy. Um, All of this stuff is something called dagashi, which refers to cheap candies and snack food. So it's like penny candy.
1: Okay, so dagashi—that's what you That's would what think the, of. It, it all yes. falls under the umbrella of dagashi, which is like Japanese penny candy.
3: Yes. So okay. a lot of the stuff we've been trying has been dagashi.
1: Dagashi. Okay, <laughs> cool. I like that. I like that. So this is uh, well. I mean, it looks to me, and I don't know because haven't, we haven't tasted it yet. Let's give it a taste. But it looks like yep. to me, like we're gonna we're gonna taste something which would seem like an M M&M. and M. Right.
3: Yeah. Yeah. They look okay. like tiny little M and Ms. All right. Here we go. Yep.
1: Mhm. That's what they
3: are. <laughs> mhm.
1: Yeah, that's what they are. They're little. They're M and M's. Which, by the way, uh, I'm doing another. Mm. I'm doing a taste test with my friend Marnie on the next mm-hmm. episode, Esmeralda. Mm. You know, Marnie sure.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: She is uh, the editor one at, at um, the Takeout, which is a fantastic blog slash website where they do all kinds of great food related stories. Mm-hmm. And we like to do taste tests. You know, I, I feel like I'm cheating on you, Esmeralda, but we like to do taste
3: <laughs> tests together too. <laughs> Um,
1: it's fine. And, I'm
3: okay with it. I know you. are. <laughs> damn it!
1: Nobody's ever upset when I cheat on them. God damn it! Um, <laughs> uh, but I, uh, we are going to taste test the crunchy cookie flavored M and M's. Have you tried those? No. Neither have I. And I'm going to try them. I've uh, never
3: really tried any of the crazy flavors.
1: Yeah, well, she was, Marnie was like, "I haven't tried them. Let's try them the next time we talk." So Friday on Friday's episode, mm-hmm. Marnie and I will taste test the crunchy cookie M and M's. And by the way, Esmeralda, I'll bring some. Mm. I'll, I'll bring some on Tuesday for you.
3: Ooh, okay. To Zany's. So even if I'm cheating on
1: you, I'll give you a little love anyway. You know what I mean? <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, okay. So these all right.
1: are these are basically M and M's. Okay.
3: Mhm.
1: Now the next yeah. thing we've tasted before are variations the was of it.
3: Tasty. No, they were good. They yes.
1: were very tasty. Yeah, very tasty. So this is a very this is something we've tasted uh, before. Explain again. And and the, by the way, I think of all the stuff that we've tasted, these are my favorite packages with the wacky characters screaming and stuff. I think these are my favorite packaging.
3: Yes, they. So it's this little character man, and then on each one, it's always something different. Right. Like he's assuming some job or he's doing something fun. Right or And he's usually he's screaming. His something. eyes are his
1: eyes are bugging out usually and he's yelling and and on this one that I'm looking at, he's a chef. He's got a spoon and he's lifting the lid off of a, uh, and again I always forget what those are called. The the Oh, dome. Really?
3: Mine's a um he's singing.
1: Oh, okay. Mine is he's got a spoon and he's screaming and he's a chef. And he's lifting the thing off of the. God damn it! I always forget what these are called. The domed lid on top of a plate when you reveal a dish.
3: Oh, um, a damn it, Cloche.
1: Yes, that's it. God damn it! I always forget that. <laughs> I uh, I always forget God that. God damn it, Nick! I always forget it. But anyway, he's got a cloche in his hand,
3: and underneath oh, okay. it is, a,
1: is an ear of corn sleeping, saying something.
3: <laughs> okay. Yes, I um. There's uh. I have some, found some standard. Pictures. Got it. Um, so, so mine sense, is
1: he's singing. He's singing. Mine is he's screaming. He's, he's serving a dish with corn on it, and he's screaming. Oh,
3: okay. Mine. And is, I did. He's I did a translation. into a microphone. Okay. And then he's got a little band of sunflowers below him. Okay. Playing. Well,
1: these what what mine says when I did the when I did the translation, the Google translation mm-hmm. was corn potage flavor. Mm-hmm. Corn potage, and then it says lively. That's right, with an exclamation point.
3: Yeah. <laughs> so lively, that's is... right. <laughs> I think so. I think you have yeah. You have the original. I have cheese. Oh okay. <laughs> now you said to me that there there
1: was an instruction they, they instruct you on how to eat this. Tell me how to.
3: Well, they have like ways you could eat it. What are some of the you ways you like, can eat it? Because we're can just gonna snack open up the package it. and snack it. Okay. Yeah, you can just eat it, right? Okay. Um, but you can also, uh, they, they, I found a little website that gave some tips on what to do with it. Mm-hmm. So you could put it, uh, I mean, you can make a soup, which probably really? doesn't seem that fun. You can just get a bunch of these and then mix it with milk or whatever, okay. and you make some soup. You okay. can put it on top um, as like a seasoning. You could crush it up.
1: I can see that. Okay. You can use well, yours it as is
3: croutons?
1: Your, yeah, that makes total sense. So <laughs> and yours then is did it cheese flavored, right? Mhm. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. somebody did what? With an
3: omelet, you said? They put it in an omelet. All right. Like they they wrapped egg around it and it's in an omelet. Oh man, that sounds good. <laughs> all right.
1: Well, I'm going to try mine. Mine is like a tube. Is yours like a thick tube?
3: Yes, yeah. Yeah, they're all, all they're right. all like that. Um, they're all like that. But my just...
1: flavoring is different than yours, I think. You have cheese yes. I do not. I have like corn. Yeah,
3: yours. Then they're all corn.
1: Yeah, but mine is, pl- mine is plain. You have the cheese.
3: Yeah, yours is like the yeah. original.
1: Yeah, the original. Okay, here we go. Oh,
0: mm.
3: it smells like a cheese puff. Oh, it's so good. It's very
1: Parmesani, actually. Mine is.
3: Mmm.
1: It's corn. Oh, yeah, mine it's mine
3: super- tastes like um. It tastes like a um, like a cheese puff. Yeah. Oh man, these are good. Man. I got to say all
1: of these nice savory club. all of these savory like corn flavored crunchy little crouton-y snacks that we've tried mm-hmm. all good every mm-hmm. one of them
3: So man, man corn are good. Po- I- corn potage yes right right is a it's a it's a corn soup mm okay it's a creamy corn soup mm-hmm. So maybe that's why you're getting like milk or cheese, parmesan type of flavors. Absolutely,
1: yeah. Oh, it's good. It's really good. So
3: yeah, you could get a bunch of these and make, <laughs> make a I really do that. cheap let's corn do that. soup.
1: Let's do that. That sounds Esprilter. awful. Let's, let's get like a let's get a camera and get into a kitchen somewhere and make a bunch of soup out of this <laughs> out of this shit. And then we'll we'll have Colin taste it. We'll have your. We'll have that your just boy. sounds funny.
3: We're like, we'll get a camera,
1: <laughs> get it, film it, of us making like soup out of this stuff.
3: Have you seen so. the um have mm-hmm. you seen the people making mashed potatoes out of potato chips?
1: I have. Mm-hmm. I think that's similar to what we're gonna do here.
3: I mean, yes, pretty much. Yeah.
1: Okay. <laughs> my dad's gonna come in. Oh, my dad here is uh Uh-oh.
0: Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, Hi, Carrie. and I love Nick's show.
1: I love you, Carrie, but my dad's coming in, so it's the best part of the week, baby! It's time to hear something funny! Here we go! With you music intro, ah! it's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Yeah. What I
2: say? It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Ah, yeah. Yes.
1: So, um, my dad's here, and uh, he's very excited to be telling a, a, a few jokes live on January 17th at Zanies again. Get your five dollars tickets. Uh, your promo code is funny F U N N Y all caps, and I've heard the jokes, and uh, Esmeralda, they're astonishing. So you're gonna you're gonna love them.
0: <laughs> Here's my dad with a joke right now. He
1: goes into the bar in Texas, sits down to a guy with a big pair of boots up on top of the bar. She asks him, "Is it true what they say about men with big feet?" He said, "Ma'am, come back to my bunk and you'll find out." They spent the night together. She got up the next day and gave him a $100 bill. said, ma'am, I've never been paid for sex before. She said, don't flatter yourself. The $100, by, buy a pair of boots that fit you. <laughs> <laughs> wow, there you My dad working a little blue there, too. It wow, was jokey, jokey, jokey time. It was a jokey,
2: jokey, jokey time.
3: <laughs> Nick's
1: dad told a joke. My dad telling a
3: joke about the size of someone's uh, groin area. There you go. Although I do like it's very female. She's like, yeah. don't lie. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, here you go. Get some, get, some, get some boots that fit, jackass. All right, there, there you mm-hmm. go. All right, thank you, Dad, and we'll see him live on the 17th. We'll see you live on the 17th of January as well. As well, the thank you, my thanks to Dan Feinberg talking about TV. Uh, And on the next episode, as I mentioned, Marnie sure is going to join us, and we're going to taste test some stuff and talk about some food. And uh, if you want to leave a message, voicemail message, 773-417-6948. Email us, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. And thanks to Jason Skaggs for all the music and all the cool stuff. Rate and review us on every platform. Be a sponsor. uh, Advertise with us, sales at radiomisfits.com. And we will see you next time on uh, the Nick D Podcast and the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. The wind is red on me.